0: Welcome to the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast, where we talk to business owners, entrepreneurs, and experts about how your business can move forward faster. Sia ora, Craig here from the Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival, delivered to you by DHL Connecting Your Business to the World. Today we're super happy to have Miriam Houston on, and we this is the first. Um, episode for our Monday episode um, of the podcast which is episode number two um, and today we're going to focus really down into business structure and managing your cash during a crisis which are two things that are super important for small businesses and entrepreneurs. So without further ado I'm going to bring in Miriam to the podcast and and we're going to get chatting um, and talk about those two those two subjects. Kia ora. Kia ora!
1: Kia ora Craig, how are
0: you? I'm very well. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: Good. Cool. Great to so,
1: be
0: here. Yeah, it's good. So we are both based in Otago, but we're not doing this side by side. Obviously, I'm in a uh, it looks like a dark room, but it's not actually that dark when I turn around. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, so 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 Miriam, um, similar to all of the podcasts that we're doing, I like to always start off with a or used to start off with your origin story, um, how you ended up in in New Zealand where you're from, um, some of your professional um, history or linear history and then yeah, we'll take it from there. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you.
1: Ka pai. thanks Craig. So um, kia ora everybody, um, my name is Marion Hewson, originally from Berlin in Germany. Um, my journey started um, in New Zealand in 2009. Prior to that I uh, was an accountant um, in Germany, worked there. Uh, studied there, lived there, uh, did everything there and decided that um, there's more in the big wide world out there for me. And like so many people took a backpack um, and started traveling. Uh, however, before that, I had a short stint in London. I worked in finance, uh, they ended up offering me a job and uh, I got my ticket to Australia and went for it and really had two years where I was able to just explore the country, explore different cultures, because on my way I also went to Asia. Um, and on that really it started, um, my interest in in business and finance and everything like that, I was able to watch different cultures do business and that was really interesting. Uh, because we so often look at analytical stuff, but it really comes down to the people and the relationships you form and I learned so much about that. So. I guess that was a uh, was an important pivotal sort of time for me um, to further develop the skill set that I already had. Um, yeah, so in 2009 I landed in New Zealand and only wanted to be here for six weeks. Um, carrying on, 12 years later I'm still here. <laughs> um, have a family. We have two children. I'm married to Scotty, and yeah, so I basically had to. I uh, retrained a little bit to make my qualification equivalent here and worked in chartered accounting firms um, the whole way through until I started my own business, Future Proof Concepts, uh, about three and a half years ago,
0: yeah. Cool, so tell us a little bit about future concepts as yes. that business.
1: So, um, as I mentioned, I worked in chartered accounting firms and quite traditionally You prepare financial statements, tax returns, here you go, sign on the dotted line. And what was missing for me is the connection with people and the real understanding, uh, I guess, from a grassroots level. And that is always something that I inspired um, to do, you know, simply because to me, I understood that business is all about people and you can't separate the two. And so what Future Proof Concepts is, it's a business that... I created out of the need for small to medium-sized businesses to really be able to ask the questions they don't feel like, or don't feel comfortable asking in, I guess, a more, you know, established corporate um, environment. They feel like, oh, I should, you know, I should know all of that. But the truth is, only thirty percent of your skill set makes up, or makes up running a business. So what we do is really wrap around business coaching, our accounting skills, our analytical skills. But also working with like minded professionals that have other skill sets that we may not have, such as marketing, what's the best insurance, how to deal with ACC, um, how to put yourself out there, and things like that. So, we are um, a registered provider for the regional business partners, which means you can get funding working for us. And there's a whole bunch of businesses that we work alongside with um, that do the same. So, it's really a, a, a wraparound service accounting and business coaching um i guess it's 50 50 um divided in our business uh, both of these um activities have different target audiences people come to an accountant because they need it not necessarily because they want to um however when they come to us for business coaching and um, that is when they realize hey i've been doing this for a year i sort of i'm stuck it's not as easy as i thought and then we really go in and um and help them further and really build a solid foundation um, yeah and small to medium-sized businesses is, is, is our is our niche and we look after hospitality tourism a lot of tradies um, which is cool because we are actually situated um in an industrial area and they don't feel like they have to take their shoes off which is awesome because mm. we like to be approachable and and easygoing but we service businesses and clients all over the country
0: very, very good. So I asked a question to all of our guests. Um, and that question is, what is your all time favorite brand and why?
1: This is quite easy for me. Um, obviously as an accountant, <laughs> I'm using Xero. Huh. And um, as it happens- We, we love Zero.
0: My, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We love Go. Zero. This is me and E-Festival. <laughs> Powered by Zero, <laughs> so thank you very much. And awesome. this is not a this is not paid Zero promotion. No, I,
1: and, and I don't get a commission for this either. <laughs> um, you did bribe me. No, but Zero is one of the companies that um, intrigues me. It inspires me, and not because you know they offer accounting services um, or platform to make it a lot easier for us as accountants, but because of what they stand for. Uh, I happen to do a white paper on Zero, their strategy, um, what they do in, in terms of well-being. They're providing um, services to all Zero clients, their families, and their clients, which is essentially nearly all of us in New Zealand um, and beyond, um, with you know, with counselling, um, with things that that help them get through these, these these difficult times. And what I like about their is their model. Um, their focus on their people, uh, the way they have scaled their business. So to me, Xero is one of those um, companies that I inspire, um, I guess, to model. I like how they are accessible, approachable. Um, I will share something funny with you. The other day, um, they obviously have a forum for people to share some things that they may have trouble with or need help with. And I don't know, am I allowed to swear on here? I keep it really, yep. really quiet. But they basically... Swear away. Um, Go away.
0: Fuck somebody, yeah. said,
1: uh, <laughs> somebody said in there, sort your shit out. So something obviously wasn't going well. The response was just outstanding. And it basically said, our sorting your shit out team is um, aware of the situation. We thank you <laughs> for your um, patience. And we will get back to you very soon. And I thought, you know, kudos, that was cool um yeah so it's all about
0: being real and and uh and reliable cool i would have to 100 percent agree zero is awesome um and in the next couple of weeks we're going to have craig hudson who's the the managing director for zero aotearoa and pacific on and he's going to be talking about um while being in the workplace it's focused really on that so uh, keep in tune with that so let's move into um, our, our topic for the podcast um, so, we really want to um, dive into business structure. So the first question um, I would like to or next question I'd like to ask mm-hmm. is like, what is a business structure? How do you define the business? Structure?
1: Sure. So a lot of the businesses or people come to me they have either they're just starting their business, they have an idea, or they're already established. Um, and so people go to me, so how do I register my business? So, for instance, you have an idea, you want to start your business, you have it already. They come to me and go how do i register my business there's three questions or three areas i usually ask them um, about one is what sort of assets do you own in your personal name and it comes down to risk right so what is it that you need to protect from anything that you do beyond your personal life the next thing is what do you need to protect um, in your business so in terms of what's the risk of your business right Me sitting in an office, um, you may think the risk is fairly low. However, the sort of work I'm doing, if I give someone wrong advice, then the risk all of a sudden is quite high. So we talk about financial risk. We talk about risk for people that you employ. So all of these components. So it's the the personal, what's the personal risk? What's your um, business risk? And the third question is, and that's really important, what people really underestimate is, what is the vision for your business? And it's important Then that's a whole different topic, but it's important that you set your business up with the intention of creating a really valuable asset. And one of these assets could be your intellectual property. So if you set up your business around your personal brand, then that means if you step out of it, you won't be able to sell that name or that structure um, to someone else because it surrounds um, around, you know, it's around you. So the easy answer to the question is, if you have low risk, you don't own any assets, then you don't have to essentially register the business with IRD at all. So what that means there, I'm just gonna take you through the three main or four main business structures that people set up. One is sole tradership, one is a partnership, another one is a limited liability company, and um, the fourth most common one is is a trust. So with a sole trader, if you are a sole trader, what that means is you're trading under your personal ID number. It means you are 100% liable with anything you own in your personal name. So if you have a house, Craig, and you give someone wrong advice and they sue you for it, and you can't pay it with, the, I guess, the funds that you have in your business bank account, then whoever comes after you can take your personal home. So that's what we mean in terms of um, 100% liable with everything that you own on your personal name. So that comes back to what is it that you need to protect? The sole tradership is really easy to set up because you don't have to. All you have to do is file an individual income tax return after the financial year end, which is usually March, And in um, that way, ID will know you're now earning self-employed income, not just wages. Um, So 100% liable, easy to set up. So there's advantages and disadvantages. The next thing is a partnership. So if you say you and I go into business together and we say, hey, we both have really cool skill sets, let's bring them together, we're partnerships, we're partnership. Again, um, this needs to be registered with IRD because a partnership requires a separate IRD number. Mm -hmm. However, you are still 100% liable for, anything that happens between the partners at their respective partnership shares, I suppose. So what that means is if our profit is $100,000, we split this equally, so we have 50-50 um, part in the partnership. Um, but we have to then return this income in our individual returns. There is no separate separate entity, I suppose, or separate, separate legality. Um, in terms of liability, if you do something wrong, and we get sued, then I'm still liable for that. Sorry. So as a, yeah, yeah, here we go. (laughs) So that's why, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying as a partnership, it's cool. It's really good for a side hustle. You know, if we both still do our own thing, but we have, you know, a, a few, I guess, common approaches that we're working on, probably nothing wrong with setting up a partnership. However, if you really want to take on or I guess if you want to set up a business that can outlast you. So in other words, um, you know, I might retire one day, but my brand is that strong that it can just carry on. And it will hold itself. So other people come in and carry on for me. Uh, a business structure like a limited liability company is a pretty good option. Uh, and what that means essentially is that it is a separate legal entity if somebody sues the company for having done something wrong then they can only come after the assets to the extent that the company has invested in so in other words if the company owns a few vehicles um a building things like that it keeps the directors and shareholders separate to what's actually been um invested in the company does that make sense
0: it does make sense yeah
1: so as a and hence the name limited liability company um, then we come to trusts, and uh, trust is an interesting vehicle, and traditionally it was a really good idea. Uh, trusts were basically a really good vehicle to protect your personal assets. So, I have clients that have trusts where they have buildings, uh, for instance, or their own home in there, and it protects that. But they have a business and running it under a sole trader structure. So, they're a sole trader which means they're 100% liable if something happens. However, people can't come after their house because it's sitting in a trust structure. Um, There are different tax, I guess, different tax um, advantages and disadvantages for each of these, different ones. Don't want to get too technical now. Um, However, I guess with with trust, I think it's- We'll do that
0: on another one.
1: Yes, yeah. I guess with trusts, it's fair to note that um, they're quite expensive to set up. You need legal advice. Um, they're fairly um, administrative heavy, so there's a lot of administration. You need trustees. You need minutes. You need, you know, there's there's a lot of structure that you need to build around it. And um, quite often, for the SMEs we're talking about here. Uh, that's not really a very common structure anymore to get into. So the most people that I'm dealing with are sole traders or companies or partnerships. Um, and yes, you can move from one to the other. So if you as sole trader and you think, Hey, my little side hustle actually turns into a pretty cool thing. Then yes, we can absolutely move that from that into a company structure, for instance, to just protect yourself um, and, and create a brand that, um, you can pass on cause a company name, is something you register with a company's office and if you sell that it actually becomes part of your ip your intellectual property right gotcha. so thinking about all of that sort of stuff when you set up your company structure
0: so in summary four options so yes, the first option is option. yeah solo so, limited liability um, partnership or a trust um correct yeah out of, i think there's over five hundred thousand small businesses around New Zealand, which makes up ninety-seven percent, or a li- little bit over ninety-seven percent of all enterprises, at a rough estimate, what what um, percentage would that would they all sit in? Like, would solo be ten percent, or fifty percent, or ninety percent, or what? What would you think?
1: Um, it is it is an interesting time to say these stats because obviously there's a lot happening at the moment. But generally, generally, I would say it's about
0: 30 30 30.
1: Oh, um, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah um a lot of people start out and that's sort of moving and it's sort of moving so limited liability company is probably the most common um and one that i would recommend personally a lot to my clients simply because you have that extra layer of security um to your personal name it's completely separate and and, and uh and protects your personal stuff um and it's also something that you can create in a way that you can on sale create intellectual property with the name alone so it's all about adding value right when you start your business you want to make sure everything you do adds value to it so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day when it's time to sell or retire you have something that um that gives you a return because otherwise why would you start your own business right um but it, it moves so a lot of my sole traders when they first started after a little while i move them across because i'm like right you actually you know have now purchased your own home let's keep these things a little bit more separate
0: yeah i've got a question so i Hmm. see sometimes on especially on facebook marketplace and different sorts of platforms like that where individuals are selling things that they make Hmm. at home and i i i'm I'm making an assumption that there's no structure at all um Mm -hmm. what are the risks For someone doing that
1: so essentially it it may look like there's no structure but they're probably in a sole trader structure so Mm. there's a difference between selling something because you have you know some clothes to sell or hey i'm at home and i'm making i don't know benches for children to play with Uh, these people are usually a sole trader and what that means is they would return that income In their individual income tax return which all of you have to file each year anyway however ird recognizes that if you earn a salary they automatically calculate that for you because you're paying your your tax as you go right Mm. Um, but if you earn anything over and above then this should be returned in your individual tax return if you're selling something one-off not really an issue right it's like i have an old bike that i need to get rid of i'm selling it but if it's something that you um, purchasing material for um, to create with intention to sell, that is 100% a taxable activity, and it is um, deemed a sole trader. You don't have to register it because it all goes under your own I.R.D. number. But you have oh, to return that in your income tax return.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah. so just in summary, so I'm gonna start making. I'm looking around my room, pot plants. Yeah. Um, and sell them. I'm doing it um to for financial gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do anything to do with tax. I'm not going to make anything over sixty thousand dollars. I'm not planning mm-hmm. on it. Um, so I've got to make sure that I, in my personal tax return, that I have mm-hmm. to uh, include the amount of um, plants I sold, which is um, eight thousand five hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Um, in there, and then that's going to, uh, and then ID will work it out for you Correct.
1: Correct, correct. But also remember that if you sell something, obviously you would have to buy something to make that, right? Like you would have to buy potting mix and um, you may Mm -hmm. have to buy some fertilizer and all that sort of stuff, which you can offset against the income, against your $8,500, right? And that's where us accountants come in because we can adjust your income based on um, the expenses that you had and also based on other things, like you may use your own home in order to, uh, you know, plant those things and and do everything. So we can claim some home office. And that's where people go, oh, so how do you do that? And that's why accountants go study all these (laughs) times in order to tell you how to do it. But, you know, there's different things you can claim against that, um, which then, um, at the end of the day, it's not $8,500 that you have to return. It's probably less because you have other stuff that you can claim against that. And that's what we call claim or deduct against your income.
0: Yeah, as a south. Yeah. So another question then for this particular business that I've just developed. Um, I'm not making much money and if I go to an accountant, my assumption or there might be a general assumption that um, the services for an accountant might be expensive? Yeah. Uh, they are? Or what sort of... That is of, a perception, of... right? That's a
1: perception, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Look, um, there's no doubt that, and I'm shooting myself in the foot here, I hope no is
0: <laughs> watching.
1: Um, there's no doubt that, um, you know, if you have large overheads like any other business, um, and you're sitting in a nice building and you drive, you know, you have to be able to generate that sort of income. Um, my approach is, yes, profit is not a dirty word. We're all in business to generate a return. However, keep it real. Um, so, you know, there are different options. Some accountants charge subscriptions, so you can call them all the time. Some charge you time for money. However, if you only have a small business mm. and you have, I don't know, 20 transactions a year or 50 transactions a year, and you're quite good with an Excel spreadsheet, there's usually enough information on Iid's website and their call center to help you yep. through calculating it. So there's absolutely... Um, mm. You know no reason if you if you have a little bit of a financial awareness that you'll be able to plug in those numbers the one risk that you probably go into is that there are other things you can claim that you may not be aware of and these are things that you don't see in your bank account but these are things that basically we know are available um and IG may not necessarily tell you about these um so you know as an accountant we work alongside IID, but not for IID, we make sure that we prepare your financial statements in a manner that we can claim as much as we can within the rules um for you um, and then we basically um as a tax agent pass that on to IID. and if there's anything else then you know we basically sort it on your behalf with them um, so it just really depends how confident you are there's no harm in asking a, a financial advisor to say, or an accountant to say, hey, I've done this, can you just have a look? Um, but they will probably have to ask all sorts of questions before they can actually act for you. So, yeah, you can do it on your own. So if you sell 20 plants per year, there's no reason why you couldn't. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. cool. Mm. Awesome. I think that that's really good. I think we'll wrap up the business structure cool. um, and tax for now, and we'll move into our the managing your cash during a crisis because... This is very topical and it's, it's a super important um, element to any business and uh, any personal life as well as managing yeah. cash. Um, so uh, I, I might pass it over to you again and to say, what does managing cash mean and 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 how can um, what are some steps that a small business or any sort of business can um, or mm-hmm. someone who's potentially starting a business um, take to make sure that they're keeping an eye on their cash flow and that they're not going to be caught short with um, things like um taxes and GST returns yeah. and other other sorts of things like that
1: 100 so uh, managing cash in crisis is it's one of those headlines you know people one of the most common questions I get asked is why do I have to pay tax if there's no money in the bank and that's because profit and cash are different right you, you pay tax on your profits but some transactions affect your profit but not your cash like depreciation um some transactions only affect your bank account but not your profit like taking drawings out of your business which is money that you basically use for personal things um your tax payments do not come off your income they affect your bank account though because they are calculated based on your profit but there are four main areas when it comes to managing cash in crisis one thing I would say don't get to that crisis so one is obviously the cash flow planning and cash is king without cash uh your business can't survive without profit your business can't survive so they're intertwined but they're different so cash flow planning is uh, it's just a fancy word of saying hey how much in- how much income do you have per month or per week like i remember when i first started um i'm a bit of a nerd but i went like weekly if not daily because i wasn't sure how much money i've actually got um so make sure you sort of try and estimate um, how much income, that could be based on historical data, but past, um, I guess, past transactions don't really tell you much about your future if you're not planning ahead and say, actually, we are going to be closed for Christmas for three weeks. Likely it is we're not getting a lot of money in, so how can I plan for that trough in my cash flow? Do I need to go to the bank and ask for temporary overdraft? Um, can I sell some assets? that are sitting there that I'm not using anymore. So that could be you know, any type of equipment or is there any stock that I just struggled moving on? Um, can I just put a discount on? So it's about knowing when your troughs are and your cash flow um, that you say, okay, I can actually plan that uh, we get a, for example, a new range of stock in. So I need to move my old stock. It's been sitting here for 90 days. So there's things that you need to consider across the whole board of your business. Uh, You know how how long or how long um yeah has my stock been sitting around for what are my expectations the other thing in trades business especially if your business is very overhead heavy so if you have a lot of staff if you have um, a lot of material purchases or big outlays you've got to be able that for for example an engineer would buy a lot of steel and then that engineer makes that steel into something that he can then sell how long does it take that engineer to turn that steel that he had to pay for already into something that's actually tangible and he can sell. So you want to try and reduce that time as much as you can. And there's different ways of doing that by purchasing in bulk, uh, by basically measuring how much money you spend with each of your suppliers. And can you use that figure to negotiate better deals? You know, uh, So there's four areas. One is cash flow planning, one is um, protecting your income. Um, manage your costs and cash injection so managing your income in terms of protecting it is look at your existing customers already and see if you can actually offer something that um, and enables them to um, you know do a better job at what they're doing and um, can you upsell in other words and that's where you go okay is there something for your existing customers and that was really really uh topical in in COVID. And right now, I mean, we have, have, we're dealing with tourism businesses that were a sit-down restaurant, they were selling alcohol um, in Auckland, Uh, they can't do that at the moment. So what we've done after the last lockdown is we actually completely remodeled that business um, into a takeaway only, click and collect. Mm -hmm. And we we use the existing school seats of that particular business owner because he now has um, turned that sit down area into a bakery and now you're selling bread and milk. And and so we're adding an essential service to it. So have a look what you've already got here and how you can remodel that in order to create an essential service. Or have you had a look at your market recently? Has your target audience changed? are people that used to come in are they still coming and if the answer is no then there may be time to introduce another product or service um, to your boat I guess it's all about creating a steady flow of income and that's where a lot of businesses that we work with we have introduced uh, the likes of subscription services so can you offer something over and above that people can sign up to and pay a regular subscription because mm-hmm. that you know it might not be a huge amount but it all helps you and um, but the main thing i would say is have a really good health check of are my customers still the same do they buy the same stock that they used to buy um are they now opting to more sustainable options just as an example uh, when are my cash flow so when do I need to plan to you know buy. the thing is with banks they give you money when you have it they're really tough to deal with when you don't so that's why it's so important that you sort of look ahead at least sort of three to six months uh, I guess the rule of thumb is short-term lending is usually more expensive for you than if you go for longer term um solution so go for business loan over a certain time rather than a cash flow uh, sorry rather than an overdraft facility simply because it's more expensive and um, just quickly I, i'm aware of time but there is the id cash flow loan available at the moment um if you have paid this off um if you have already applied for it but already paid it off you are eligible to apply for it again um use the wage subsidies use the restriction support payment see if you can sell anything that's sitting around your um your store that don't no longer need just move it on get some discount some pricing strategy around it um make sure you don't leave behind with online services people selling online and if you're not on that platform especially if you can't operate face to face you're missing out um get that um that support one last thing the regional business partners is a really really good option if you can't afford someone to walk you through these different things and help you set that up, they have all sorts of professionals on their books that can help, uh, that you can work with, for, um, for, and, and you get funded basically to do that. So it's a really, really good option. There's a lot.
0: It's, <laughs> that, yeah, there's a lot of options, but yeah, we're talking about um, the cash flow forecasting, it sounded quite complicated. Um, so it's good that you brought up the, the regional business network because they do provide um, an avenue. But but they have, like, I'm thinking about a small trader who is um, do, operating. They're operating their business. They need to spend the time in the business and business to do that. Um, what would you say to someone, I, I need to keep operating. I'm, I I can't spend six hours, 20 hours, or whatever, however long oh. it is going to take. To work out this flow, or i have no idea how to do it
1: yeah And what would yeah. be
0: your your one suggestion for that person
1: 100 so if you go to any bank online they have templates sitting there um call your accountant and say you know just utilize the people that you already pay and get the money get your money's worth and say help me out with this um and i mean a cash flow forecast it sounds quite fancy but all it is really is you going okay How much am I selling this stuff for at the moment? Um, How, you know, in the last few months, how much did I sell? Am I anticipating the same level? And then you go, what are my monthly expenses? So it's really just sitting there and going, take your bank account statement and just have a look what's going out. A lot of business owners um, that we helped, it was that simple. And it took us probably no more than 20 minutes. And we said, this is May. This is what we've earned. This is what has come out. And then all of a sudden you go, I didn't realize I am still paying for that. <laughs> so mm. that's a really good idea to then go, hey, actually, guys, I've overpaid you. So there was quite a bit of, um, bit of that going on. Um, just look at your physical stuff that's going through your bank account at the moment. It's not like it doesn't have to sound scary. You know, you don't have to come up with all that jargon to intimidate people. A cash flow forecast is nothing else of saying, here's my income for today, this was my, these were my outgoings. Um, how can I reduce that in terms of outgoings? How can I bring my income up in order to, um, if your bank account, like if you're noticing, because we talk about break even points and that sort of stuff. All it means is, do you make enough to cover all of your expenses? Uh, and so if your bank account, just as a rule of thumb, is steadily going down you know you're not breaking even so you know you're having more outgoings than income so then mm-hmm. there's different strategies you can um do like i mean increase your price is one thing people have an issue with that because they feel like oh i can't possibly do that but your suppliers are doing it left right and center and they have done so since last lockdown uh, i know one of my engineering guys his suppliers bills went up 20 percent since we had our very first lockdown You need to pass that on. You need to think about also um, that your equipment that you're using needs to be replaced. Don't be shy to um, charge additional for vehicle fees, you know, if you have to travel, things like that. So a lot of that is around mindset and it's around confidence. Uh, You offer something that somebody else doesn't know how to do and you do it well. Charge accordingly, you know, and make sure. But yeah, I guess the, the first thing is look at what your income is what your expenses are can you scrap some of these can you buy stock on consignment can you cancel some orders uh, can you negotiate with your suppliers uh, and the forecasting you will get better and better at it because what you can do is go okay actually in november i want to earn a hundred thousand dollars this month as an example or fifty thousand
0: um, i do as well yeah be yeah. Good.
1: yeah yeah that would be <laughs> how awesome do,
0: how do i do that
1: you do that by knowing your metrics. You do that by knowing okay, I need to sell this particular thing to so many customers in order to get to that amount. How the heck am I going to do that? And then you go, okay, do I need to up my pricing? Do I need to up my advertising? So that's where you really start targeting your campaigns in terms of advertising. You know, also measure your advertising. Figure out what you do does actually work. Uh, yeah
0: that's think, awesome yeah there's a yeah. lot like i could talk about that stuff that, right? <laughs> um, okay yeah. yeah it's really that's it, it's amazingly good advice um for all, all businesses so one last question if mm-hmm. you could um give small businesses one small piece of advice right now um, what would that piece of advice be yeah
1: one thing i would say is plan 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 So right now, if you are sitting there going, I don't know if I should shut down my business or if I should keep going, what I would say to you, actually reflect on what you've got because sometimes you get into this hamster wheel and go, oh my God, what what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I don't even know what I'm doing. You've got to understand your numbers. With that, because it's all about the cash right now for you. People are not sleeping because they're thinking about the money. How am I going to pay my rent? Go into, this is the number one priority right now is go into these things that we just talked about have a look at what sort of stuff have I got that I can actually sell can I combine my services with somebody that is offering something similar or that complements what I do can we go and join forces Um, can I get I guess the thing is this is the time to come out of your comfort zone and uh, not let COVID define your strength and the reason why you went into business initially get take hold of all the um, subsidies that are available at the moment and i know i know they don't even cover the surface but negotiate negotiate with ird they are really good to deal with i must say they've been really really good but do not let COVID define what the future holds for you and what i also say and that's quite counting children but Don't be afraid to fail, but fail fast and move on. If a strategy doesn't work, let it go and move on, because that's the only way forward. The only, I guess, the only constant thing these days is change, and you've got to be adaptable. And don't, yeah, don't be scared to reach out for help.
0: Awesome. What a great way to end um, our, our podcast. Miriam, thank you very, very, very much for your time. There's a lot of awesome uh-huh. information in there um, I hope everyone out there um, appreciates um, some of that and we'll hopefully catch up again Miriam and talk about some other taxis, tax sort of stuff um, and um, business related but... accounting but hey, um, um, from us to you thank you very much for your time and, and we really do appreciate it
1: thank you so much Craig it was a
0: pleasure
1: and yeah anytime I'm, I'm keen to contribute
0: thank you